Welcome to episode one hundo of Push to Shout, the podcast featuring Mike and Skip and Flimsy. What's up? Hey. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just, you know, enjoying the podcast. Enjoying finally being part of the experience. You First know. hand. You got to see some First behind the scenes action. Behind the scenes, yeah. I see how much of a wreck it is. How the magic you know. happens. Yeah. Uh, well, we're very pleased that you could be with us as part of this expose. I hope you're prepared because we will not hold back, you piece of shit. We don't hold shit. any punches here. Now, the first hard-hitting question that the fans want to know, the fans told me, and they asked, Gamergate? Gamer? Oh, what's your that's stance? Thing? Oh, um, I'm very much a Gamergator, you know. Um, I hate those shills, that's you know. I'm all about ethics and journalism, you know. That's, that's my main shtick, you know. I, I love fighting for that. Guys, welcome to the show. We know where this clown stands. He's going to treat this like a joke, make all kinds of... Mm, I, I don't take this guy seriously. But, uh, again, Adam, your real name, your Christian name. Ew. Glad to have you on. Yeah, I know, gross. And uh, we're going to talk about some video games. We'll talk about some things that aren't video games. What have you been up to? You're the special guest. You're in the guest seat. You're right there in the center of our Star Spangled Banner. Oh, I am in the center. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's nice. In the middle of the flag, you know, where I Straight belong. Straight betwixt the uh, the blue field of glory and the red stripes symbolizing the blood of the fallen. So, with that weight on your shoulders, tell us about the video games you played. So, in terms of video games that I played, there's only two really noteworthy things. Start from well, the beginning of your life. Okay, from the beginning. Because we don't know what's been happening beyond the last couple weeks. Was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the video game? I started. Do you mean the Pod Racer one? No, it was a PlayStation One game. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember that it was Darth Maul, and I just threw a bunch of grenades at him and I killed him. That's all I remember. I've never heard of it. That's probably bad. No, I'll, I'll have you know, it was a great game. Fuck you. Those are my childhood memories. Um, you piece of shit. It's nostalgia goggles. Uh, the the Phantom Menace so, game I had was a pod racer thing for the yeah, N64. That yeah, that one was fun. It was a very I don't know good about game. in the one that you played. Were you an actual Jedi? Like you had a lightsaber. You, you were Obi Wan Kenobi himself. So you know, I, I think met. that's better than being in a pod. I don't know about you. You know, so Could I think you, my childhood was better than yours. Were there like levels when you went down onto the planet and uh, there were like, people shooting at you in a city. I think I had the same one for the original Xbox. Uh, my, my, honestly, my only memory is fighting Darth Maul and throwing a bunch of grenades at him. That's, that's I don't it. think a PS1 you know, game would be released on the original Xbox. That was two, right? Yeah. Oh, no, it's original PlayStation. Oh, okay, never mind. Never mind. I must be thinking of something else. Anyway, I think we've talked long enough about Star Wars The Phantom Menace games. Um, Have we? In the but pod racing really game, which... you could there was there were buttons to go sideways, and so you had to do that to get through short cracks. And then if you were the bad guy, Jabulba or whatever the hell his name was, you could shoot flames out the side of your uh, pod racer to wreck other people because you're a dirty cheater. That Adam Rap Scallion. So that was a he's pretty the elephant nosed guy, right? Elephant no, 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 nose. no. That's the uh, that's the shopkeeper that goes. Bleh, bleh, okay. I sell you this, or you sell me that. No, I'm talking about the. I uh, thought that was Jabulba. No, Star Jabulba Wars has talks the stupidest similarly, I think. Names, but like, no, honestly. Jabulba 
walks on his hands and his he uses his feet as hands, uh, and then he cheats, and he hates Anakin, and Anakin races him and he crashes. And that's what I remember. Into a rock, but it wasn't Anakin's fault either, so he wasn't a murderer. Yeah. Well, he didn't die, you know, but he shows him, he tumbles, and he stops and goes, oh, and he slams the thing, and he's like, oh, I've ah, lost. Okay, okay. So he didn't die. It looks like straight some other from the mind of a genius. died, though. <laughs> they didn't show it explicitly. May I just say, The Force Awakens is vastly overrated, and the original trilogy is truly gems what do you think about that I think we'll look back on and like really remember what fondly. What do you think about the new title? Of the next Star Wars movie. Oh, the title. Ooh. It's red. What was it? The Last Jedi. Oh, and it's red. Yeah, it's red this I'm time. It's not. It's not so blue excited. like the first one. I, I, me, I'm excited. I'm also excited. What kind of video games have you been playing recently? <laughs> so recently, um, the two notable video games that I've played are the Resident Evil Seven. I still haven't finished it. I'm most of the way f- done. I think now. And you're doing this and... on PC, I saw, right? So you don't have yeah, the VR PC. experience. Yeah, I don't I don't get the goggles, unfortunately. No. I'm pissed so because I actually playing... got VR and then there's a major game coming out that supports it and I can't play it for a year because of exclusivity deals. I'm really, really legitimately mad about that. <laughs> a game like that yeah, looks like it would Sony. be killer in VR. It does, except Honestly, the Sony yeah. VR like scales it down and like all the graphics are worse. It looks really bad uh, in the VR. What? Well, well, when I was playing, well, before I was playing Resident Evil 7, I expected it to have a much bigger emphasis on spooky jump scares than, it, than you know, like, whatever, previous games and so on. I expected it to essentially be like a, you know, like, just your linear typical horror game, right? You know, where it's just, you don't do much, you just go through the game, it's kind of spooky, then, ah, jump scare. You know, I was expecting a game more along those lines, but I was pleasantly surprised to find that, for the most part, it's pretty much just atmospheric tension. So, so like, when, like, the bad guys or the scary things actually happen, it's not, like, trying to startle you. It's just like, oh, look at that gross thing, if you know what I mean. So it's it's much, I don't know, I, I prefer that sort of horror a lot to just, you know, the fucking typical violin, very loud girl with her mouth open, very wide horror that you are getting a lot of these days. So on that front, Resident Evil... Uh, pretty much nails it out of the park honestly like unfortunately because I've been streaming I haven't been able to appreciate it on its max settings but that Mm. game looks really great when you just crank that up and it's one of those games where it is unfortunate if you have to play it on lesser graphics because every little helps um so aside from the spookiness of the game which I do think is pretty good I think overall it's overall it's pretty good and my my big concern is right now playing it is compared to I mean Resident Evil One it's 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 sort of like a disservice to compare any horror game to Resident Evil One. You're you a big Resident fan Evil of that remake. one. Right? Do you play the yeah, rest of them a lot or it, just one? Uh, I've played the rest of them uh, for one playthrough each. Um, so like Resident Evil Remake, I would pretty much consider like the apex of survival horror games. That's like if you're to have anything as your like closest you can get to a perfect milestone you know you'd say what are we trying to beat we're trying to beat resident evil remake on gamecube you know that's like the benchmark um and so comparing this resident evil 7 to that well it's obviously like kind of unfair at that one point on another it's like when you look at the resident evil 1 level design and the way they've formatted plot uh, the level structure and the puzzles and so on 
they had it very open-ended. And so where you could go anywhere you want, you could do anything. And of course, there were sort of sort, certain risks affected with going to certain areas early. You know, do you want to get the shotgun early? Because that'll help you deal with this room. But if you go to this room early, then you can avo- potentially avoid all this fighting, so on and so forth. Lots of stuff like that that really kept it interesting for multiple playthroughs. It's basically the Dark Souls what? of... Uh, oh my the god! Really, the Dark Souls of horror games, yeah. But is Whereas, any of the stuff that you were... Sorry to interrupt you, but is any of the stuff you were just talking about, like decision-making like that and uh, risk-reward, is that actually an element in 7? Because what I've seen, and I haven't seen all that much, is that it kind of looks closer to, like... And not to use it strictly derogatorily, but walking simulatory. Then, oh well, that was the point I was going to get to. Okay, is just let the guy talk. Has <laughs> yeah, don't don't fucking cut me off, okay? All right. So <laughs> I was just going to say that um, Resident Evil Seven has some like there are parts where it opens up, but most of the time it's pretty linear. So okay. you'll have like let's say an hour of linear gameplay. Then there might be like a small area where you can explore in your own time. Uh, those areas are like the best areas of the game. But then it will then get into another bit where it's just pretty linear. You know, usually, usually what happens is there's like a key item, um, and you're just trying to like get to that thing, and that's like the major crux of the exploring areas. And then once you get that key item, whether it's just like a lot and a thing to open a door or a weapon or something like that, then the game gets into its um, gets into like its fighting scenarios where you're mostly trying to deal with enemies and avoid certain hazards or whatnot. So it's so it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's just I feel like it's definitely going to hurt multiple playthroughs because there's no way you can go. Okay, so instead of going into this basement and having to fight off these waves of enemies or whatever, I can instead do this thing to skip all that. There's no. It's not. It's it's linear basically. Is okay. The, main issue and also just generally like a lot of like cutscenes and scripted fights that you can't avoid as well you know they they are also worrying me whereas in Resident Evil 1 you know there was the opening cutscene which you skipped and then you were in the house and that was it you know now explore this house you know and that was that was it there were still cutscenes but the house was totally free to you and you didn't have to you didn't have to constantly like sit through cutscenes of your girlfriend who's now in trouble or talk to someone on the phone or things of that nature so overall i would say i'm i'm very impressed with the game especially coming from resident evil 6 which i've tried i think i've tried like five times to beat that game and each time i just drop it because i just find it so awful coming from that to seven the 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 hurdles and the just the progress they've clearly made is pretty remarkable but there's still obviously room for improvement. I was surprised to see the Resident Evil franchise tackle, uh, try to appeal to the DDLL Tumblr community. Excuse me? I'm sorry, you'll have the to... The DD slash LL Tumblr community. How the fuck are we supposed to know what that means? Well, the you can look it up. I, I highly recommend that you Google DDLL, search it on Tumblr. You'll come up with I'd some really good not. stuff. And uh, and yeah, and the main but I bad guy in Resident Evil Seven, <laughs> please do, seems to be named Daddy. Oh, oh yeah, he's he's Daddy. Does Daddy yeah. want his cummies? Oh uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing Dil Dot Dusty Love 
is this the same thing? I have no idea. I, I think I don't you're know just making a whole shit lot up about that community, but it exists. I know it does for a fact. But it seems like overall they've learned positively. I played the demo. That's all I played. But they seem to have learned positively from Western horror games. Um, like they seem to have lifted some of the good bits from stuff like Amnesia and. Um, I was surprised oh, at the yeah, Amnesia. Yeah. Like it seems like it plays a lot like Amnesia when you get to those open parts. I guess yeah. Uh, the obvious parallel is PT, which is not Western. <laughs> I, I like I like those open calmer sections of the game a lot as well. It's just the problem I found with them, I guess in my playthrough, is that one, you know you're safe pretty much. You know, there's no there's no tension because you know, okay, this is scary and whatnot and it's spooky. But at the end of the day, you know nothing's really gonna harm you. Mm. Like you can tell when you're about to fight, generally speaking. You know, there's there's always like a give and tell that the game warns you about okay. Daddy's probably trying to come. He, you know, he's probably trying to get his cummies yeah, at this point. You know, or or you get the black goop that tells you, okay, there's the mutants here. So there, there's usually some sort of sign which does break the tension a bit. But I guess like, I guess you, know. you want that, right? Because I played the last horror game that I played was the Alien. Was it just called Alien? No, Alien Isolation. Isolation, <laughs> um, and. I, I liked the way that it played. I liked the feel that they went for. I think they captured the alien, like that that style of like ship really well and everything. And I played about 10 hours and I was just exhausted because pretty much the entire time you have to worry about either the alien or other enemies and avoiding them constantly, constantly, constantly. Every once in a while they'll go away, but you're always on your toes because they're always around. And I like that idea, but in practice... It exhausted the fuck out of me, and I just had to stop playing it. Like it wasn't that I was scared; I was just like mentally just exhausted. I was like, "Well, I don't want to keep doing this because it's like horror games yeah. genuinely stress me out." They, yeah, yeah I, I get that, and that that like as well is another aspect of why I, I don't even know I keep going back to Resident Evil One, but why that's so like well done the way they constructed the level design because you're constantly going back and forth. You learn the rooms, mm. you learn where the zombies are, and if a room is too much to deal with, you can just kill those zombies, you know, and so on and so forth. There's lots of stuff like that, so where you can mitigate a lot of the tension by pre-planning. Yeah. Whereas that's a common criticism I've heard of Alien Isolation. I've never played it personally myself, but I have heard that a lot where, because it's so long, and you're constantly moving on from one place to another, there is no, like, slower points where you can just sort of dial it back. It's hypertension throat. Yeah. Which, which not only I feel like it would get exhausting, I feel like it would kind of get a bit boring after a while as well. Because uh, does it? I, I, I think so. Say, I think it, but... I think it, you start to gamify it a little bit because yeah, it, it, it pulls all the same tricks. Like the alien, you know, he goes through these vents, and if there's slime coming down from the vents, then the aliens up there, so you avoid the vent. And it's like once that stuff starts to happen, the the horror element kind of goes away. Um, yeah, and, it and, seems and, like once yeah. you would be forced to learn how to exploit it, it would lose some of its genuine edge yeah it'd be really yeah. cool like if that the drool coming down from the vent was like one little mechanic that happens in one segment of the game and then you move on and, and things change but that's that's another thing that exhausted me about the game i think is like i felt like i was about a quarter of the way through and i'd already played a whole lot of it and i felt like i'd seen most of what the game had to offer like gameplay wise so yeah it was it would have been really good in moderation yeah uh, How far are you? Like, it. I, f- I feel like I'm maybe two, 
two thirds the way through, I think. Okay, all right. But I also feel like it feels like the game's quite short. Uh, it's hard to say, but it feels like the the length of each section depends upon how long it takes you to figure out what to do uh, oh. and where that thing is. So, like, that's how we've been hearing recently, like, people completing it in less than two hours and things of that nature. You know, because once you know where the key item is and what order you're expected to do things, you know, you can just run through it, basically. Um, and and very few of the enemies or monsters really pose a significant threat to you. Like, even on my playthrough, I'm killing them, but I know that I could pretty much, you know, just, if I wanted to, I could just bait them and then, like, run around them and things of that nature. Um... So, yeah, I mean, that's not bad. I just think that the badness, or well, I, I guess that my concern with that comes from the fact that I've talked about before, where because the game's so linear and there's so many scripted events and so on, it's going to be harder for that to be fun over repeated playthrough. Oh. Um, yeah. Did you not, play... not to be too... What, uh, what were you going to say? Did you play the playable trailer of Silent Hills? Oh no! I I oh, saw man. bits and you pieces of it of people watching it. I never, I I don't have a PS4, you see, so I never got to play it myself. Unfortunately, you really missed out. I mean, that was yeah, that was wild. That was so cool, especially when nobody knew what it was, um, or even how, because like the first few days, nobody knew how to finish it. There was just no path to to complete it. Yeah, they, they figured out pretty like people finished it pretty quickly, but it took a really long time. I think still like there's a lot of mystery of like like what you say to the microphone and stuff to get it to finish. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I just feel like in a I world tried where Jared that, or Jerry and that sometimes works. Yeah, but uh, in a uh, in a world where that exists, uh, I feel like it'd be really hard to release a horror game. Um, and so it's nice to see that Resident Evil Seven is is. It seems to be received, received well, pretty well. Well, that's what I heard about Resident Evil 7, is it picked up a lot of the developers from PT oh, for that. development for Resident Evil I heard Evil the exact so opposite. That's what I heard. I heard they really? specifically debunked that rumor. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that was just a rumor that I heard. We don't well, throw still, any visually, yeah, I mean, you could buy that, though. Cause... Yeah, yeah. The atmosphere and just general the lighting and all that, it, it very much gives you that feel, you know, of... PT, I, I just so want to play I would not be a genuinely good horror game that isn't made by some fourteen-year-old, you know, putting a game on Steam Greenlight in VR. Uh, well, yeah, it yeah. sounds awesome. I, I feel, I, I feel like this is probably like a good time for survival horror because the problem is you've had horror games, right? You know, you've had your uh, what what's that, Pandora, uh, whoever makes like the Amnesia games. Yeah. You know, you've had them making horror games, but. They've always lacked that survival horror element. It's always just been, you know, linear, story-driven, you know, horror games without much on the way of gameplay, you know, like your walking walking simulator right. experiences. Whereas now, the gate is finally open to, especially with, I think Resident Evil 7's been doing pretty well, like, sales-wise. So like with it. that, I hope more people try to make genuine survival horror again. I, I, I like the genre a lot. But I, uh, oddly enough, I don't tend to really like pure horror because I find it quite boring most of the time. I mean, I can play it, but it doesn't... are there many instances though of like good survival horror games besides Resident Evil? I'm trying to think. Mm. Um, 
there were some knockoffs. It seems that were to kind okay. of own that genre. Yeah, there were some knockoffs that were okay. Like I remember back in the day, and this is again thinking like this is nostalgic. Not, well, you know, I'm pro- maybe nostalgically thinking of when I was like a young teenager playing games like Parasite Eve or even like the old Silent Hill games. You know, to where they had, you know, they were survival horror games. You know, to to greater lesser extent, um, and they were good. Um, I don't, I don't remember if Parasite Eve was honestly very good. I just remember it was a, a survival horror game, so you know that's something. You know, and it existed. Um, it's not the most popular genre in the world. No, no. But, uh, most horror games in the last six or seven years have just been chasing that amnesia formula. Yeah, um, which got pretty stale to me almost instantly. Like I was tired of Amnesia without even playing Amnesia. Uh, so I really hope people start branching out. And it seems like Resident Evil Seven just said, like, all right, that that whole Amnesia thing of avoiding the bad guy is a cool thing, but we're not going to focus the whole game around it. And so that's nice yeah, to see they, at least. They had, they have basically in Resident Evil Seven. There's the enemies you avoid and the enemies you can kill. Yeah. Like the the main bad guys. Are the ones you avoid, as in like the you know, like the Baker family. They're the ones you generally avoid because shooting them is just a waste of time. You can and you can like, yeah, you can like incapacitate them if you want, but generally speaking, that's just a waste of bullets and time. Where you can just like try to avoid them. That was that was actually another criticism I had of the game that the whole avoiding them aspect felt really quite underdeveloped. The game doesn't even have like a lean feature from what I could tell, so you can't even like peek around mm. the corner to see where they are. Which you'd think in a game well, like that would does. be pretty critical. It does in VR. It does in VR? Well, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, because you can, because physically, you can physically move your head that's... around the corner, and it works, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool, but why didn't they just put it to Q&E? I'd like that. You know, just to... that because then effort. you have to, like, physically go peekaboo, you know, like, around the corner, and it feels, we- it feels weird to do that. I guess yeah. it makes it more immersive, right? Like you don't. Does it? I, I, is it I'm really not immersive not to be able to lean games your head? Where you look around the corner at the I guy and he's looking at you, and you're looking at him, and then you just go back around the corner, and and he doesn't see you. That's always been weird to me. And so, like, there's something scary, right, about not being able to see where the bad guy is, right? Well, I would say yes. If the game had it, so if you did play Peekaboo and he was looking at you, that you go, there you are, but it doesn't. Uh. It get, it takes like. I think maybe two, three seconds of him looking at you to like catch on. So you still get that peekaboo gameplay, but it just feels dumber, I guess. Yeah, a little more ridiculous. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, well, that's what I was always after: peekaboo gameplay. So, glowing I'm going to try to avoid as much as possible of seeing that game for the next year because I would like to play it in VR. But I don't know. I'm sure you'll enjoy it because it is one final thing before we move on from Resident Evil. God, this is bright. Um, is my one other issue with the horror is is similar to the way it gives you warning of enemies. Like, for example, I remember this at the very beginning of the game. You open a door, and there's a staircase, and it's just pitch black. And my immediate reaction was, oh, fuck. Because I'm going to have to go down that staircase into that pitch black, and that's terrifying, right? So I start to do that, and then you hear the creaking and the cracking and all all the tensions building, and you're like, oh, this is horrible. I do not like this in the least. And then, and then, just as some, you feel something scary is going to happen, the game yanks control away from your character and the camera. Uh, and you're like, "Oh, something scary going to happen!" And then it breaks all tension. 
because you know at this exact point, okay, I'm about to be scared, so now I'm no that longer going sucks. to be scared. Yeah, yeah, that's it, a shame. It really took the weight of the scary moment because what happens is you see like a girl crawling up the st- stairs and then she lunges at you, but because it gave you that mental preparation to be ready for that, it 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 kind of sucks. So I hope that they learn from that as well and just let people be scared by things. Uh, that was my only other. That's always a good thing to do in your horror games, to let people be scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that was a really clumsy decision, goal. though. Like, it's hard though, that's right? Because like, there's only so many things you can do to effectively scare a player who is in control of their character. Like, if they're looking in the wrong yeah, direction just or look something. Away, yeah. Uh, right, but I, you could be in control up to the point that you get grabbed or something. True, like, and that's what PT does, right? Is like, is like, suddenly she's behind you and she grabs you and spins you around, but you're, you've already yeah. been freak the fuck out at that point and then of course the good thing that pt did was like trigger things based on where you were looking or where you are and that kind of thing so um yeah I, there's a way to do it i i that, that is a shame i i feel like it's just if if i could think of like the most daunting thing to like type of game to make it would probably be horror right because yeah like, how do you do it that, that's it takes real craftsmanship because you need to like on every level nail player psychology you need to make sure even on the most basic levels like think of any game and think about a game where you have to look somewhere specifically at any given time, right? Yeah. Just think about how hard that in itself would be. You know, you have entire talks of game developers talking about how hard it was to get someone to watch, like, an important event happen when they design the entire level to funnel their vision into the spot. Because yeah. people might just arbitrarily turn around and miss something important, you know, because people are really dumb. But yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> that does speak to though. Though I think like a larger thing that game developers are more afraid to do these days is like let your players miss things. Yeah, like like all games are designed so that you have to see everything that they have made for that game, and it's like okay, I get it because games are hard to make and expensive to make, and you want them to people to to get the full experience. But like, there was a magic back in the day, and this is like a much larger issue than just horror games, of course. But there was a magic back in the day to the idea that like you were uncovering things about the game dynamically rather than just being shown things over and over like it's a slideshow. Um, yeah. And and I, I wish developers were just... That's, that's one of the things that people yeah. like about I mean, as terrible as they are. It takes some courage and some confidence yeah. in your game. And, and I will like, say... You need to be trusting that what you've made is interesting enough so that people will want to watch what you've made Rather than force them exactly. to exactly, and so despite despite my complaints of Bethesda, they're one of the few developers that is willing to just be like, "All right, you know, if you if you find this stuff, great, and if you don't, great." Um, and and so, kudos to Bethesda. Don't hear that a lot on Push to Shout. <laughs> um, all right, what else? <laughs> well. We can move on. I I hope at least one of you has played the game, so I can have so I'm not just rambling again. But we'll have see. either of you played For Honor? No. no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, that's okay. Because unfortunately, no. That's all funny. I can really do is give essentially like this is how it basically I mean, works. I mean, so anyway. Like we play different games and we just we talk yeah. about so, it. So okay. on For questions. Honor because I was really interested when I first saw it, and then I and then it was like, oh well, it's a Ubisoft game, and oh yeah, they seem to that's... be screwing some stuff up, and I just I, I've well, been okay, like I'll just put it this turned way. off. This is the biggest like, most glowing recommendation I can possibly get for any game. Even though it's a Ubisoft game, I'm considering pre-ordering. <laughs> okay. You know, well, like, oof, whoa, yeah. think about Yeesh. how much, you know, like, goes into that, you know. I've, I've seen the Assassin's Creed series. I know 
what they did, but it's at, at the same time, you kind of... This game is so... It's so interesting in so many ways and so novel that to have it be such a major release in this day and age where you're getting constant, just, you know, the same old, same old, it's really nice to get a genuinely unique IP that I want to get behind it. And it's also really good. So, you know, it's got those two things really going for it, you know. Uh, Now, I had a question. How similar is this to that shitty Steam game can't remember the name. Uh, chivalry. Chivalry's chivalry amazing. Whatever. Fuck you. Chivalry's no. a fantastic. No, it's, not. it's not good that anymore. Game it's Team Fortress Two now, but it was. Chivalry's like one of my favorite games of the last five years. It sucks. Holy shit. The combat sucks. Chivalry's it great. Feels, it feels no, like chivalry with better underlying design. I feel it. Like so, for example, one of the oh, does that include that was mechanics? Always, yes, that includes the mechanics. Okay. So, for example. One of the things in chivalry that was always annoying was just generally the existence of archers because they totally undermine the very basics of the game. You know, why play a swordsman when you can just kill someone in one shot with a bow and arrow or whatever? You know, so with a wooden gun, I absolutely with agree. a wooden I, I, gun, the archers, you know, gun. So, were the worst thing in that game. So there was a lot of you know sort of like weird design aspects to chivalry. And also, I feel like I th- th- maybe this is just a testament to the fact that I didn't play it too much. I played it a decent amount, but I never felt like I could know stuff about the game. As uh, to clarify what I mean, as I'm like, for example, if you block someone, is it okay to attack now? When can I attack? Where can I attack? You know, things things of that nature, where it doesn't feel like you're ever totally in control. I guess I, it's hard to explain. What I, mean that, properly, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about, and that is exactly what I don't like about chivalry. Whereas in For Honor, the game gives you very clear, very obvious, both animations, audio, all that cues, so you know exactly what you've done. So if you've blocked someone, and you've just done a regular block, when you regular block, uh, you, you generally can't attack after you block someone. It's like the safe defense option. You can block them, but you don't, you can still have to be forced to take, block their next attack. So basically, it's the safe option, but it'll then leave you open to more attacks. Or you can parry them, and if you parry them successfully, which is done by attacking just before the land hits, you get a free hit on them and you can start your offense. Well, of course, because you're attacking, it leaves you open to being hit if you mistime your parry, or if they faint, and so on and so forth. And so both of them have very clear times of, okay, parry now. You know, so you see that with a little, like there's a little block icon, it gets a little bigger. You know, the, when you when you parry instead of block, it's very clear, okay, my guy just like whacked the, the sword away instead of just like casually blocking it, so I know now that I can attack him. You know, it makes stuff like that extremely clear. And it makes it very fun because it's like, oh yeah, I just parried him, get fucked, sort of thing. You know, it's a, it makes it very satisfying to outplay someone. Um, and there's lots of, and just generally the rock, I don't know, I guess I'd call it the rock, paper, scissors structure of the game is very solid. You know, so it's very interesting the way the mind games play out. It feels almost like a traditional fighting game in many ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got the three directions you can block. Um, and like I said, blocking is the low risk, low reward feature, or you can go for a parry. Uh, but the thing is, if you pa- try to parry someone and they faint, you will then use your heavy attack, which then can be parried. You know, so if someone knows you're going to try to parry them, 
they can faint, then bait out your parry attempt, which will then open you up to being hit. So even at that level, that's like a really nice sort of mind games thing. And then you've got guard breaking, which is a controversial thing because there's a lot of instant kill areas where if you guard break someone, so if someone's just standing there not doing anything and you guard break them, they're totally open to being thrown. So you could just throw people off the ledge and just kill them instantly. And again, <laughs> fun. Yeah, you know, so it's like, it's really, so it's really risky to, to not do anything, but you can also guard, you can guard, you can guard break throw, uh, tech. So you're not defenseless against it. You know, so basically, if you're doing anything but stand there, you won't get thrown. Um, so there's lots of design like that that just makes the the one v one fighting extremely fun because when you beat someone, it feels like you beat them. You know, it's not like it's it's That's not good. like some yeah. game where you know you can just like random someone out and it works. Or it feels almost like a more refined Dark Souls PvP in a way where. Where it doesn't have just like some guy rolling through everything and trying to backstab you or things like that. They actually have to like open you up properly. I don't know. I just really, I really enjoy the game. There are some problems. I think the, the way, because the game is focused mainly on 1v1 fighting and that's like the core of its design, when it, get, when it becomes more of a clusterfuck with other people getting involved, it can become quite overly chaotic sometimes and hard to deal with, especially if you're the defender, right? Because if you've got three people on you, you're basically dead, more or less. It's very hard to defend against more than one people. But the thing is, the game does let you just run away, which is both a good and a bad thing, because that means you can just run away, but also, who wants to just run away from a fight? You know, that's not fun, you know? Or chase yeah, someone. Or chase, uh, who, wants to be, who wants to chase someone? Who wants to run away? And then it encourages people... And like when they're losing, when the chips are down, okay, I'm just gonna run away. You know, have fun chasing me, or you know, and it's like, that aspect of the game is like my biggest concern. How does health work? Uh, would running away let you at recover the very somehow? Lowest, because that would at the could very be nasty. lowest health. I think you've generally got six bars of health, and at the last bar of health, you can recover that. So you have to. La- so if if you take a light hit, that's a Ubisoft trademark. Yeah. So if you take a light hit, you can recover that. Whereas a, a heavy hit usually does like the full health bar of hit of damage, so that okay. means someone can play ultra lame and just try to like wear you down by boring you to death. Which I, that's that's that, that's like my big concern right now is how good running away is, because I feel like running away should be an option, but it it doesn't cost anything. You can run infinitely, and there's no way to really stop someone running. So it's just kind of mm. you know that that's one thing that leaves me concerned. But other than that. Well, it seems like the solution's obvious. Then you just need there stamina. There is stamina, but running doesn't cost stamina for some reason. I, I, you know, right? Yeah, so I, I don't understand the thinking behind that at all. You know, I, I, you can recover. You recover stamina as you run away. I, 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 I don't get it. I hope that's something they change for launch because it's very unfun to chase someone. Is this now an open there is beta an open beta or a closed uh, beta? the ninth to twelfth? The closed beta closed uh, ended. Uh, like two days ago, I think. So yeah, from the ninth to twelfth, okay. ev- everyone here or anyone watching can just play it, you know. So which is good, you know. I'm glad they're opening the game up because another thing is because it's such a risky IP. I think it's good to have an open beta to actually get interest in the game because I'm sure, like you know, you, you yourself said, you know, you see Ubisoft, you see a melee fighting game, and you're like, uh, I'm not really, I'm not gonna pay sixty dollars for that, you know. 
don't yeah, trust why, why Ubisoft would you trust enough. Ubisoft to make a good game? Why would anyone? You know, that's just like the sane approach to life. You know, so having the open bait and have people actually play the game and f- realize, hey, this is actually a pretty fun game, is is a good move. I'm glad that they did it. I guess, I guess, my worry with it is like it's high risk, high reward because like I like Siege a lot. Rainbow Six Siege is a Ubisoft game, competitive, so it kind of has some similarities. And it took about a year for them to get Siege to a point where I looked at it and said, I okay, that it. game's yeah. kind of fair and balanced and, and playable. Um, and, and, and it still has some a lot of issues, but like it had major issues in the first year or so where like netcode and, and balancing and all that shit. So it's like that's the, that's the thing that really frustrates me about Ubisoft is they come up with these really, really clever IPs that nobody else is doing. And then it's Ubisoft, so they don't realize them anywhere near their full p- potential, and that that's really disappointing. But from we'll from see. my beta impressions, I think the balancing of the game is pretty good. Like outside of the running thing, there there are some characters who you might be like, oh, they're a bit strong or they're a bit weak. But I don't think there's like a character who you can't win with. You know, like most characters have enough strengths to them to where you can win. You know, do you play it with a controller? Uh, I played it with keyboard and mouse actually, but you can play it with a controller. I, d- I never tried. Seems like it would fit a controller. Yeah, I, I think it would, but I was just too lazy, and I was already used to the control scheme of the keyboard and mouse. So oh, I was okay. just like, you know, it's a limited beta. I'm just going to play it like this. You know, you might as well. Um, All yeah. right. Well, high hopes for that one. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm not going to pre-order it. Oh, yeah, like, just try like, the, the first week yeah, or so, yeah. if people stay positive in that game for seven days, then maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's, like, the good approach. That's probably that's probably what I'm going to do. I... I would like to pre-order it, but I'm also smart enough not to. I, yeah, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> you know, that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the line you got to run. Even if just for the principle of it. Just don't pre-order games. Ugh, just buy it, yeah. buy it like, on launch day, you know. Um, don't, don't pre-order Ubisoft yeah. games in particular. Yeah. Well, so, what have you been up to? It seems like you've abandoned YouTube for a... Uh, you made a Street year Fighter review career. video. What, sir? How's your, how's your uh, Street Fighter um, going? I've actually mostly stopped. I've still played that game like casually on and off when friends will play, but I don't actually like play it that much anymore. Um, it's weird like to talk about the game, especially to anyone who doesn't really know much about it, I guess. But generally, there was a big patch that made a bunch of balance changes. And with Street Fighter, what, what's called Season 1, you know, which is just the first year of it, there was a lot of complaints made about the game, and people were hoping that a lot of it would be rectified in, in the in the balance change. And it's like, they, it's, it's like they did, but too much, if you know what I mean. So there were a lot of characters who felt just too strong, like too strong to the point of like, why play anyone but this character? So they so they got rid of a lot of the stuff that was rightly like unjustified to where why it was in the game. You know, for example, while the characters Chun Li basically could do everything in the game and do it really well. So why play anyone other than Chun Li was the issue everyone was asking themselves. So they got rid of one of her things uh, completely and made it pretty useless. Well, it's not useless, but it's not nearly as good as it was. But now what they've done is instead is some other characters who were also, like, you know, controversial, they either hammered them too hard, or there's characters who were okay already, and then they raised them up too high. You know, so it's... 
it's really awkward balancing that they've done. You know, so a character, Yurian, for example, was considered really good in the first season of the game, and they gave him nothing but incredible stuff for season two. And everyone's asking, why did you do this? Because now you've just created essentially a new Chun-Li. You know, he's now essentially what season one Chun-Li was, where he can do everything really well and he has no real weaknesses. You know, so I I even play Yurin, but I don't, I, I don't know. I'm one of those people that I don't like playing someone who I perceive to be too strong. I know I'm I'm one of those nerds, oh, you know. I can't. I'm a contrarian. Like I just on the principle. Take it the principle. I'm the same way too. I, I, just can't, yeah. I feel guilty doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I, I, shit. I play Fox. No shame. <laughs> I just okay. There are some very good character, and I only have experience with melee, which is not a real fighting game. Um, but. It is less to do with how effective a character is, or just to broaden the scope a little bit, um, like a strategy or a weapon or whatever game it is. There's always like clearly better strategies and characters' approaches to use. I don't feel bad about using those if they're actually fun and uh, challenging. Yeah. You know, like the reason I'm okay with playing Fox is because it's extremely difficult. Um, if it was just like a sim single button, yeah. I don't know what how or why this character is so good now, you really have to understand the specific intricacies of why he's so unbalanced at this point. But is it a case of that, where it's like, he's very good, but well, still difficult? Was, or is it just clearly everything he does is better? That was one of the big criticisms, is that Street Fighter Five generally has been made easier than basically any other like traditional fighting game that exists, really. So doing combos is very easy. Everything of that... You know, the, the technical aspects of the game are all very easy. Chun-Li was like an odd exception, where if you wanted to be very good, her combos were actually hard, and a lot of her basic stuff, even, was quite difficult to do consistently at a high level. She was essentially the fox. The reason she was, you know, you, you didn't get everyone playing Chun-Li, simply because Chun-Li was hard. Whereas the problem is now, they've removed, the tool they've removed, specifically, was was definitely overpowered, but was hard to do consistently. So it was only the pros who were, and genuinely good players who were able to like abuse that constantly. But now the thing is with Yurian, is he's just better. He's he's not hard. He's actually, I would say, probably one of the easiest characters in the cast. A lot of people are saying he's hard, but that's bullshit. I you know he's he's easy. Like he's got a lot of really strong stuff about him that anyone can do. And it's and it's also extremely hard to defend against. So it's even though they've made some t- taken away some really obnoxious stuff, which I'm glad about. They've also not got rid of other really obnoxious stuff, and because that stuff's still there, that just became the new top. You know, if you know what I mean, like that just became like the okay. new thing everyone yeah. was doing. Because you know why bother doing like one of the general criticisms of Street Fighter Five, particularly is that the offense is far too strong. So if you're trying to play, like, a defensive game in Street Fighter Five, you know, like, you'll always have that. Like, the guy who wants to rush down and the guy who wants to stop the guy from rushing down. You know, that's just the general makeup of fighting games. But in Street Fighter Five, the the advantage is always with the guy who's on the attack. So, so because... And especially with the changes they made to Season 2, people were... 
Why is that? I'm actually okay, kind of interested so in the specifics. It's, it's hard to round. It's basically a bunch of factors. One of them is that in Street Fighter Five, comparatively to other Street Fighter games, the length of normals is generally smaller. So, like, it's harder to keep someone away from you if you've got shorter limbs to do that. You know, if you're punching, you know, uh, a third of the, uh, I mean, a quarter of the screen rather than a third of the screen, it's harder to stop someone walking towards you. And generally, oh, you know, if you're a rushdown character, you want to get as close as you can. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is, which I think has been overstated, and it's been reduced since originally, was the input delay. So one of the big issues in Street... Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about this first, but one of the big issues in Street Fighter Five is the difficulty to react to certain things. So there's many things in Street Fighter Five where if someone someone can just spend resources or do something to just get in your face, and it will be very difficult to react to, and then once they're in your face, they're at the advantage, you know, you know, frame-wise and all that. So that was due... And there's a few reasons for that. One is because of the input delay, which is a bit higher than other fighting games. So it's harder to react to someone dashing in on you if instead of pressing a button... No, is no, this, this is online this is only as input inbuilt delay? In the game. So I think it's at... I think what? right now it's at six frames of input delay. You know, which is which is yeah, which is what? high. You know, which is pretty high. That's Why like would you have any? Yeah, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, well, that, that's the game, thing. Right? That is what, like, the average for fighting games is four to five. So, well, Why do you I, have any? I think, I think like, I mean, this is a thing for melee, is honestly, you are spoiled by your nun. Because most of the time, at best, it's four. You know, four is, like, the best. Whereas, generally, it's between four to high five. Whereas, what? Street Fighter Five is now at, like, six. It was eight at launch. Is this like intentional? That is as backwards. Why the hell would you ever build I, an I input delay into a fighting game? That is completely Capcom gave was essentially online play reasons was to make the input buffer so that it wouldn't feel different from the local. So we're gonna that was part, fuck that the was local. Part of it. I think another reason was just generally they said was something to do with the rollback netcode, which the netcode sucks anyway, which is another criticism of the game. Uh, well, it doesn't well, it. It's very hit or miss, I will say, about the netcode of the game. But yeah, so that makes it harder to react to things. And another thing they did at the same time of having this issue was they made dashing way faster and way further than in, and then in Street Fighter 4 as a comparison. So in Street Fighter 4, a dash would be maybe a quarter of the screen. And also when you add to that, that the limbs and normals were longer... That means that you couldn't really just YOLO dash, you know, and just hope you get in and then start doing stuff. Whereas in Street Fighter V, because dashes are longer and faster and there's an input delay and limbs are shorter, it's way more value, uh, viable to just go, okay, okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, now I'm going to dash in, you know, and just do stuff like that really randomly. And then the, the problem with that at its core is that it makes being defensive extremely difficult because if you're trying to keep someone out what's to stop them just walking back waiting for you to press a few buttons and then dashing in you know there's lots of stuff like that that generally skews it to the favor of the aggressor another thing too is that in street fighter 5 comparatively to other games as well is there's very few defensive options so if you look at a fighting game like guilty gear right it's got a ton like it's i would probably say that guilty gear has like mechanics bloat but the problem, the thing is, in Guilty Gear, 
is it's so fast that you can't react to anything. The, and the developers of the game know this. They know, okay, there's so much shit going on all the time. We know that a, a, even the best player can't react to all this bullshit. So they add in a ton of mechanics like perfect guard, like, um, what is it, blitz shield, burst, faultless defense. There's so much stuff to make it so that a defender can defend even in this onslaught of a game that it is. Whereas in Street Fighter V, your options are block. You know, so you just have to block and block well, and then like there's you can uh, throw tech. So it's like your options on defense are really bad. Generally speaking, so you've got this weird mishmash of stuff going on under the works that all comes together to make the game way more YOLO than it should be. You know, it, you can just fucking, you know, and it makes it less fun to play online. Because it makes the game feel more random, right? Because it's just like, okay, I, here's me. I'm being defensive. I'm playing the game. I'm beating them. I'm beating them. Oh, he hit me once. I'm dead. You know, it, you can just have games beat like that. And it's and it's not fun to play like that. So that's why I've stopped playing it generally ranked online. You know, I, I could, I could, I, I could even play it and win. But the problem is as well, is the way I like to play games, generally speaking, is defensively. I'm not sure whether either of you, you know, play whether you want to play more aggressively or defensively, but I can win being the aggressor, but I don't want to play the game like that. I don't want to, and I don't like feeling like you're I, a lover. Not a I like I prefer punishing mistakes than trying to open someone up. You know, um, so when you, it's when all that comes together. That's kind of yeah, lame, but I, valid. I'm, I'm the hungry box, you know. I'm the guy who'll just sit there, and I'll just fucking, Jesus. fucking, you know, back there all day. And then when I see you do something risky, I'm gonna punish it. That's that's me. Are you physically? Yeah, I'm doing back air. Acting I'm doing out back a air back air kick. Air kick. I'm doing kick. Back air kick like, you, know? you know, just to demonstrate for the people. Because <laughs> not everyone knows what it is, so I gotta show them. Now they right, all do. and now they all um, do. Now. They- if they get it perfectly clear, that's what a hungry box that does. That is what hungry box does. Well, well, we crack so, up Da Vinci Code. Shit. I don't know anything about fighting yeah, games, I didn't, so yeah, that that's, was that was the problem. I didn't want to go off, but then when invited to, I couldn't I, help it. I like know? it. That's what this podcast is for. We want you to go ham. Uh, hey, I'm right at home <laughs> talking fighting games. Um, <laughs> but okay, uh, we can talk about something else, Skippy. <laughs> We've been hearing from this clown all night, but I I didn't get to catch up with you, buddy. What's up? Uh, well, nothing new really. Um, I mean, I've been playing same old, same old that I'm not even going to talk about, like CS:GO. Although I did see that you were okay, playing you know some CS:GO. We, yeah, we should maybe mention that because for some godforsaken reason, I started playing that again too. Um, I, what you. what is it? What is it with that game? It's... I played that like. Years ago, I think it's been two or three years at this point, I basically put it down for all that time, and now I'm playing it again for no reason. I know what it is about that game, because I've played Overwatch, and I got tired of Overwatch, and I uninstalled it, because Overwatch doesn't reward personal performance enough, and so you have to rely on your team to do well, or you're going to just feel like shit when you're playing, and in CSGO, it sucks to lose, and it's still... You know, ninety percent a team game, but that ten percent actually matters, and you can even carry if you're really good. 
And if you're doing really well, you still feel good about playing the game even when you're losing. That's I think that's what it is about CSGO, um, is the combination of think, team yeah, and, right. and individual performance with enough emphasis on individual performance that, that you have fun. But uh, and All three of us talked about Overwatch in our videos uh, about 2016. Overwatch. And uh, I think mm. we're all essentially in agreement that it really does lack some kind of very important depth to be a viable multiplayer game that you yeah. come back to all the time. Like, it's not compelling in that same way. It's like, oh, if I can only just claw my way to be one little bit better. Yeah. Oh, that satisfaction. That's, that's not yeah. there. That's, that's gone. Thing. It's like, I always feel like I'm working on the next thing in CSGO, and in Overwatch, I don't. Like, I feel like I get all the characters very quickly, and yeah, you can get better with them, but there's not a lot to learn. When, when in Counter-Strike, it's like, there's always a next step. The game always. has that weird fundamental problem of because it's class-based and there's so many classes and they're all so refined and distinct in their roles that it makes... It, well, also adds to that the fact that everything's so casualized in the game. It means that the game is much more about counterpicking and team composition and general strategy rather than any execution. It's there's, almost 100% like no about that, yeah. Especially considering you can live yeah. counterpick. Yeah, that's a weird like, thing, too. Like, I mean, <laughs> that would be one of the things I would guess would improve the game, would be a draft-picking mode, you know, a ca- not a captain's pick. You know, I totally agree. Um, that would probably help. But I guess that would, that would in a way, like be like... Un- unfortunately, when you compare that to a game like Dota 2, I don't know how, how many of you have played it. Uh, you don't need to know the mechanics of it, <laughs> we both played like literally oh, one game. So you know well enough, <laughs> it didn't go well. But the, and gave up but the forever. General, the, uh, competitive Dota, like there, there is counterpicking, and that's a huge part of the game is the drafting and counterpicking. But then on top of that, team strategy, there's also the individual skill that's really important. You know, like it doesn't. You know, like in in um in Overwatch, it feels like anyone can do well with. Soldier 76. Anyone can do well with May, anyone can do well with so on and so forth. But because it lacks that skill cap, it makes the game a lot less interesting to play and watch, you know, because if you have someone, I don't know, like, has a pocket techies, for example, I don't even watch, like, a lot of um, Dota, right? But when you have, like, someone who specializes in this character who's really weird and fun to watch and then they suddenly bring them out, that's really fun, you know? Um, and I feel like Overwatch yeah. lacks that. All the characters have their distinct roles, but at the same time, they're not unique or weird at the same time. They all perform similarly to where you can just pick anyone up. Like, what's the difference between McCree and Soldier 76 Funk, you know, like, on a playing them level? I mean, as a role, you know, they've got different roles. Like, one's more of a tank buster, whereas more, one's more of a sustained DPS. But in actually the playing of the character, they feel more or less the same. You know, you're just pointing at someone and you're shooting. You know, it's... hit scan. Yeah, I, I, um, I also think like they're trying to go a competitive route with it to compete with other esports, and I don't think it's fun to watch Overwatch because it's way too fast paced, and that makes it fun to play and like really the, that short satisfaction of quick matches that that where you're always in the action is fun, but to watch it's it's a nightmare and i also think it kind of comes to the detriment of it being a good competitive game because it moves so fast that you really there's just too much going on for you to absorb everything that's happening in the match and it's six on six instead of five on five it's just like they ramped up so much that it's so chaotic 
that it feels like a lot of the times the win or loss is almost based on dice roll or like as far as like your personal involvement, you just can't react quickly enough to what's going yeah. on. Um, I, yeah. I just, yeah, that there's game has also, a lot of issues. There's no room for style, like play well, style. That, there really is one way to play. Well, that's another issue too. Is like, when there's there a dominant are, strategy. Always. For example, one of the big things is when they were nerfing, when they nerfed the unholy hell out of Widowmaker. Say what you will about her effect on the meta game, but she brought something interesting, and players could style and could show how good they were with Widowmaker. And now they can't really do that anymore. And now she's unplayable because the character is fundamentally designed to be in the hands of someone really skilled. And now that they've made her worthless, you know, like where even someone really good can't make use of her, she's just boring. And I feel like the game needs more Widowmakers rather than less, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's another issue is like, is like if you play a character that doesn't require, say, aim, like Reinhardt or something, you can get good with that character, but there, there's a really, really low skill ceiling. And then you have characters with really, really high skill ceilings where the best players at them are going to feel disproportionately good. And instead of, instead of trying to bring the skill ceiling of the lesser characters up, they lowered the skill ceiling of the better characters. And so that's kind of the route they're going with that game. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. It's Blizzard. They're super smart. That's a super successful game. They're probably doing the smart thing with it. But as far as my personal enjoyment with it, I, I'm just completely done with it. Uh, I just don't get anything out of it. So, my, um, my philosophy, and maybe this is just me, on how competitive multiplayer games should work is that pound for pound, a more skilled player should literally always win all things being equal over a less skilled player there shouldn't be any room for i, I don't know i just i think overwatch is designed at its core to prevent yeah. that well as even much just as you possible. think about like, like it doesn't it doesn't want the less skilled player to sit under the boot to be constantly an aid of that it's supposed to be okay you're sucking. You suck. You're awful. You're constantly dying. You're not doing anything. Oh, press Q. Okay, you've killed a few people. Ha, ha, you know, enjoy that. And it's supposed to. Yeah. It's supposed to, like at its. Here's yeah, a silver that's medal. What the game from the ground up was designed for. You know, that's why characters like may exist. Oh, just point in his general direction. Watch him be frozen still and can't do anything, and then you get a free headshot. Oh, look, you killed him. Congrats. You know, someone fucking brought a trumpet for that one. Fucking me! I I hate that character so much. It's it's just not fun. I I, I like that's there's a <laughs> there's a YouTube guy, uh, Silvermania. I don't know if you've seen any of his. Oh my god! Videos. No. But, um, he made the famous gape Newell thing. Anyway, he has a pedophile, <laughs> a literal pedophile, pretend to be Gabe Newell and talk about all the new Valve games. He didn't know he was a pedophile at the time. It's yeah. And still, allegedly. Allegedly, But yeah. uh, he plays Overwatch with us sometimes, and he only ever plays May, and once in a blue moon Bastion. But you wow. check his playtime, it's like 200 hours May, 50 hours Bastion, wow. nil, anything else. It is horrendous. It is like, how, how could you have fun doing that? Fuck that game. What would... 
What would make you that? Way? I think it's. I think, I think somebody I think went Bastion are just designed for terrible people. I'll be honest; they're just designed for awful, awful people who want to ruin other people's fun. Yeah. Like there's no other yeah, and, explanation I can possibly think of. Make it. Let's make that very clear. Not terrible players. Terrible yeah, people. As individuals, yeah. they are awful. <laughs> well, they are uh, lesser. Yeah, CS:GO. I'm. I don't know if I'm happy or sad that it pulled you back in. I watched the major last weekend. I actually watch competitive CS:GO and enjoy it. Uh, that game continues to be good. I don't know. People make the funny thing is is like from the outside perspective, people make fun of CS:GO because they say, "Well, it's all about the skins, and that's all anyone cares about." And the skins are completely ridiculous. Uh, yes, but like because it's been like three years, some of the skins they're just. I, I I don't even know what to do when I see the whole them. thing is stupid. But uh, but they like, have added so many that are just it keeps getting worse. It's but like I love, this I love, death spiral. I love that the base game is just really 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 solid, and they change it in very small ways. And like the updates that they've made to the maps recently are really good. And uh, that's just a solid fucking game. I can always go back to it and have fun. Um, so I like that one. Um, but other than that, I. I have gotten, I, along with you getting dragged back into CSGO, I've gotten dragged back into DCS, the flight sim game. Uh, flying jets, learning how to fly the A-10. I spent like four hours last night learning the navigational systems on the A-10. I, I have a disease, and it can't be cured. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much much else to say, honestly. That's, that is vibe support, I assume, right? It does, and it's it, it makes it... Yeah. So I wish... It's not necessarily viable to play it like if you're actually trying to play that game because you're not going to be able to see a tiny little plane in the sky with the low-resolution headset. Um, you can make the game like cheat for you a little bit so that you can see that stuff in low resolutions, uh, but it still like is a little bit of a subpar experience with like not being able to read the instruments properly and stuff like that. But being in that cockpit is such an awesome experience. It... it I I love it. it. It it really 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 feels good. Um, so I I'm just yeah. I, I switch back and forth from playing that in VR and playing it uh, just with a monitor, just based on what I'm doing in the game. Like we have an event in the armor group coming up where uh, we're going to try to get some people together and just fly around together. And I can do that in VR and like if we're flying in formation, I can look over you know at the plane next to me really easily instead of having to use like weird button controls and stuff to look around. So. I'm really excited for that kind of thing in VR, but uh, yeah, I, not 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 really anything else to report. Now, Adam, I'm curious, what would be your tipping point for buying VR? I assume you haven't bought one already, right? No. Uh, well, the first tipping okay. point would be to have money to buy one. Uh, but aside from okay, that, when we get important. past that one, uh, I would just really need to see. I I don't know how many or the quantity or quality of games, but just like enough games that I would actually play to get, be yeah. at the point where I'd want to buy one. It's the same way with how I feel about the PS4 or, or anything really, especially uh, game-wise. You know, where the PS4 I'm still, you know, I obviously don't have the money right now as well, which is like the main obstacle. But if I was to think, okay, I have the money for a PS4, do I want one? I'd need to really think long and hard about... The PS4 is there, you know, man. It's... It's there at this point. I'm still, I'm still not buying a PS4. Oh come uh, on! I mean, Bloodborne, okay, Last Guardian, Uncharted Four. Okay, so Bloodborne. Um, what else? Uh, did you see Last Guardian? Last Guardian. Okay, I'll give you that. 
Uh, what else? Yeah, yeah just, just so concede that little small insignificant point there. I mean, Last Guardian came out and near and automata several part months early. Is underwhelming to most people. So I, I was going to really, yeah, I was really excited for it, and it just seems like everyone I've talked to since my first friend who played it has adored it. So maybe that was an outlier. Apparently, once you, if you fixate on the controls being clunky, then that's like gonna have a disproportionate color yeah. on your your take on that game. But um, the thing that might tip me is Persona Five is gonna be Persona PS4 Five exclusive, yep. right? And I'm into those Persona games now, so I might I might want to play that one. But uh, that that's probably gonna be the only thing that would tip me. Uh, I I have I yet know. to play the Persona games. I want to play them because they're so <sighs> famous at this point. Where Man, I feel like I just need that's to. why I wanted to play. Um, too. and but of course, then there's you know like Ruben stuff who wants me to play Persona Five as well. So so, so that's three. We got three. Okay, we got three games. Okay. Well, jeez, there's more too. <laughs> if you if you were early to the party, like a cool guy who bought the PS4 when it had literally no games and regretted it immensely, uh, then you would have gotten to play PT, which is actually worth it if you have any way possible to do In that. In retrospect, sure, but I guess you could buy a used one that has PT on it. Uh, not Horizon really Zero Dawn. There you go. I, so, video is like those animations coming out. There? Man... The thing about that game is, like, I look at it and I think it looks almost like Witcher 3. And it's it's not even going to get anywhere close to that. I know it. Like, it's going to be way worse than Witcher 3. Not, I mean, that would be a very hard bar yeah, to it's, it's, it's unfair to compare things to The Witcher 3. Like. But, but, like, the way they organize, like, the menus and the controls and the way that game looks, it looks like it's on the same engine. I don't know. Maybe it is. I have no idea. But that game is, is made by a lot of the same developers. That so game is The Witcher well Three, but less. And oh, I just I don't know if I could do it to myself. And 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 like the more I've seen of it, the less I've felt like I have to play it at all. I was really excited with the first trailer, but like I I I don't trust Sony after No Man's Sky. The way they hype Ugh. up their games, it's like all right, I gotta see that come out and see reviews before I uh, even think about it. I mean, okay, money's a big deal. Uh, a PS4 is not, like, nothing to buy. And you have to buy the online service. Blo- for me, Bloodborne would justify it single-handedly. That's the best game in that series, and there's literally no question about that. It's not even close. It's I, by a mile. I've played a good bit of Bloodborne, and I like Dark Souls 3 better. You're That's crazy. Uh, that is well, not sane. Well. Come on, okay. You haven't played. You haven't played it. So I you think three is the best. Here. Fuck. The, the technically the best one in the series, although one has my heart. That's just not okay. Whatever. Man. There's no. There's no possible progress that can be made on this front. <laughs> I can already tell. Um, I also think chivalry is fantastic. Great game. But okay, at what point? How much does the system need to have? If you look back at, say, like I don't an think Xbox I want a 360 or a PS3. Period. Bottom okay. line, right. I don't That's think I fair. want to buy a system. That's fair. But at, at what point, what's the threshold of exclusives that makes it justified? Because if a system's like 
$250, $300, whatever, because you can get some used for 250 if you're looking, right? I mean, we can agree to that. Is it worth it at that point? Like, how much do you need? I I would say, I think, I think the thing is with this j- discussion generally is how much throwaway money you have. So obviously <laughs> sure. I'm in a situation where I have none. Um, but... but- but like, what uh, makes it a good value proposition theoretically? You know, theoretically, a good value proposition. The games, I, the games. That's it. Honestly, I would say, at least the cost of the games should compose the price of the system. Generally, that's like a decent benchmark, I guess. So, like for a PS4, that would be like f- five, six games, because at least then you're kind of like thinking, okay, I, I, I can rationalize me. To of getting my money's worth. Six games through sixty dollars above three hundred. Boom, 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 bam. Pretty much. Um, yeah. I get spanked, buddy. But no, I understand. Like it's even still, I'm struggling to come up with legitimately. Honestly, it just sounds like you've got miles remorse, and you're trying really hard. Last of Us Two. <laughs> oh, no, the Last dude, of Us I, Two. Okay, I. The buyers remorse is long past. I uh I. Or has it PS4 become internalized in 2013? So the buyer's Jesus. remorse was just anesthetized straight up when Bloodborne finally came out two years after that. So yeah, those those days are gone. Um, but still, like even counting games that have yet to come out that have only been announced so far, it still is like less than ten must buy games. Yeah, and, and then you have to buy good. the games on top of the system, and it's like the investment just feels like it isn't worth it, especially when, to me, PC is so far ahead of where where it's been yeah. even just three years ago. It's like like having a PC right now, the value proposition is massive. Uh, you have a huge library of games that go on sale constantly and in general are just cheap. Um, if you just reach a few a few years back, you can get like a load of games for fifteen dollars or less that are triple A titles that are really good, and uh, yeah. you can't really do that on a console as easily. There's less selection. I just having a PC takes up all my gaming time anyway, and I I, I don't have anything to devote to the PS4 when like I'm enjoying myself enough on the PC, and so that's true. I, I, and you can't you can't ignore that any multi-platform game you will always get the best version as well yeah and 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 i i feel like uh the exclusives are becoming more frustrating because they are becoming better like the console developers now have more incentive to uh have good exclusives on their system so you have like nintendo coming out with some amazing looking games and yep. i still don't want a nintendo because that's it's just that's, like that's the classic nintendo paradox it was like you want those games so bad, yeah, but then it's like, good. I don't want to buy a Wii U or whatever it is now. A you know? Switch, though. Switch. I I am going to... Breath of the Wild is enough to completely sell me on that. I don't need anything more. I That's don't think it. it is enough for me. I, I, I You know, I just I just don't think so. But uh, I, I like think... Zelda games, but my problem is always like... Essentially, it's like, how good are the dungeons? And how good are the aspects of the game? Because I haven't seen anything about Breath of the Wild, aside from the open world stuff. But generally, I always find that sort of stuff fluff to the meat of Zelda, well, which is like the core, you know, the core dungeons are really, by and large, it's what the It's always is. been fluff. It's always been fluff because those open worlds have essentially been flat, empty expanses 
separate you from dungeons. Although I do think that they're but important. But in Breath of the, the Wild, it seems like the the core of the game actually happens in that open world. Like there's a sandbox of but mechanics. There'll still be dungeons. I there get will. That. There's yeah. a volcano well, I mean, there. I, that's I, definitely I get a dungeon. That, but at the same time, that also then leaves me concerned because okay, you can say that, but then it's like, how good is all that stuff? Like as a you know, you know, it's like you're getting a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, but, but, is that but the answer is than... almost definitely it's really good because yeah. it, it just seems like that game has had a lot of care put into it. It just seems I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like that's that's the exclusive that I will be missing out on the most if I don't get a console, you know, this year. But, oh, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not like shitting on the game. I <laughs> I, I just haven't seen enough. Sure. To make up my mind on it. That's sure. all I'm really. It could be. I mean, it could be bad. Who knows? But uh, it it looks like a lot of care went into it, and I want to see anime Zelda. She is pretty pretty cute. Pretty anime. Um, I like it when she cries because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't really play that many video games besides CS:GO. <laughs> I did start watching that new um, Netflix show. Uh, based off that book series I read. Series Unfortunate Events? Series Unfortunate Events. I've heard yeah. surprisingly good things about it. It is um, kind of exactly what you would hope it would be. Targeted at all ages, at all ages in quotes, where it's meant to have enough for... I don't know. It seems like they'll say that it's for kids and adults equally. But I think, like many Netflix shows, it's targeted at roughly this demographic 18 to 25 where, um, yeah 18 25 um the the kind of kids who grew up reading the books or would have read them could have around that time period um it is just a good show all right <laughs> not that much to say about it um neil patrick harris is funny i guess i don't know i think i never really cared for him all that much He's good. He's a good actor, but... I still haven't seen the last uh, season not... of uh, Better Call Saul, and I need to get around to doing oh, it. Oh, damn. You have to. I assume it'll come out have on my seen Netflix that, soon. Adam? Have you seen I it? have seen... Uh, how many episodes? I think the first two episodes of season one, and that's, and that's okay. it. Um, right. I, we, I watched that back when I was in Scotland, and then the America Land happened, and I just haven't got back around to it. I, I was that way with season two. I watched like a couple episodes and put it down for a long time, like over a year, and came back to it. And I don't even know why I put it down in the first place because it was just as good as the first one. Um, I think anybody can appreciate it, but especially like having a, a brother, what the story is kind of all about was really just... Um, it was more personal and just much better written than Breaking it's Bad. It's such a good like the writing in it, the way that they capture the way people feel about their families is so perfect. I, I, and it's crushing. Yeah, it's I, 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 I need to, yeah, I love that. It's really, really good. It's It's way more realistic, despite being like far more uh, explicitly stylized it's way more realistic with how it treats its characters. Yeah. They're not like the cartoons that they are in Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad's still that, really good, the, but 
Of course, yeah. that doesn't work to Breaking Bad's detriment. But Better Call Saul, I think, is a better show so far. Yeah. It knows what it is. Um. Okay, well, do we have anything else to talk about? I think we've about covered the bases here. Nope. We covered the Meme Smite DLC before the show. Uh, oh, oh, fuck. No. No. That's, that's just the only news I have, you know? Uh, I can has... Doke. Please just stop. I don't... I don't want this in my life. I don't want <coughs> this in my head, so what are we okay? Living, I just... It'll never leave. Well, guys, thanks for listening, and Adam, thanks for coming on. Appreciate having you, and good talking. Good talk. Uh, tune in. Yeah. Yeah, good talk. Good talk, bud. Pal. Um, there will be another show another day. And thank you all. Good night. <laughs> Bye.